You're listening to the West Side Podcast, a part of the L.A. International Church of Christ Family of Churches, worshiping God in L.A. since 1989. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome everyone here to the West Side Church. Uh, we love being together. We love uh, having our friends uh, come and join us in our service this morning. This morning, we have a very special couple, all the way from Phoenix, Arizona, visiting us. And they're all Actually, they're from Phoenix, but really, uh, they are parents to the West Side. And in uh, actually, LA, the International Church of Christ, as well. We want to welcome them today. John will give a proper introduction to the very later as Alvin is going to speak. But Lena insisted that uh, she gets a few minutes to share about the lady. So, just a moment. Thank you. 
one that they're working on together. Um, and uh, they were here until about 2014, so about three years ago they left to move to Phoenix, and that's where they reside now. Um, I got to meet them and work uh, a little bit with Al in the 90s on issues like Canaan and the Middle East. And then when they came in the sector a little bit later in the 90s, of course we were together, uh, Al and I had a great friendship. We did not always see eye to eye. Bumped heads a little bit, but uh, the thing I appreciate is that we always remained friends, and uh, Al fought to uh, keep us godly, and we had a godly resolution all the time uh, to those conflicts, and so we remain great friends uh, today as well. So with that, I'll give you Al and Gloria.
I can tell from the response more than a few of you. The lead singer in Queen was Freddie Mercury. Freddie Mercury contracted AIDS when he was 45 years old. And as he was in the final stages of dying of AIDS, he sang one last song. And after this song, he died three weeks later. I want you to pay attention to the words of a part of this song. If we could start that, please. Greatest 
player that's ever played for the NBA. Some people say he's the greatest athlete of all time. Suppose you could say, I want to be the greatest athlete of all time. Would you choose that? Or some of you aren't into sports. Suppose you're into singing. Now this is Whitney Houston, of course, there are many other singers. But suppose you could be the greatest singer of all time. And your face and your voice would be recognized anywhere. Would you choose that? Or maybe you're into acting. Suppose you could be more famous than Meryl Streep. Suppose you could win more Oscars and more Emmys than any actor that has ever lived. Suppose God would give you that talent because that's what you ask for. Or, some of you don't know who this is. This is Will Chamberlain. Will Chamberlain is the only person in the NBA that's ever scored 100 points in a game. Suppose you can say, I want to score 101 points in the NBA and forever have that record. You know, that's not the only record that Will Chamberlain has. Will Chamberlain claims, at least, that he slept with 20,000 women. Suppose you say, I want to be so attractive I can have any woman that I want. Or any man that I want. Maybe that's not your thing. Bill Gates, today at least, he is the richest man on earth. Now that changes from day to day. Whether he's richest or not, $90 billion is a lot of money. <laughs> Suppose you were saying, God, I want to be the richest person on earth. Well, you know, it's hard to understand what $90 billion is. If you had $90 billion and your challenge was to spend it in the next 50 years, and it didn't increase at all, but you could just spend $90 billion, what would it take? What it would take was you would have to spend $5 million a day. Now, in my terms, how would I spend $5 million a day? Well, one of my favorite cars is the bet. Let's say... Top-of-the-line bet cost $100,000. That would mean that I would have to buy 50 Corvettes a day for the next 50 years. That's a lot of money. But maybe that's your thing. But then, some of you want to change the world. Some of you want to have the influence that a John Kennedy had. To, to lead the most powerful country in the world. To really, maybe you think, I can bring peace to the world. I can make a difference in the world. Maybe that's what you would say to God. I want to have that kind of influence. The question that I really want to wrestle with this morning. Does anybody know 
what we're looking for? Or does anybody know what we're living for? That's Freddie Mercury's question. But you know what? Freddie Mercury's not the only person to ask that question. That's a question that sooner or later all of us ask. Everybody asks this question. What is life all about? What am I living for? It's interesting. Mark Twain said, the two most important days in a person's life are the day that you're born and the day that you figure out why you were born. There's a lot of truth in that. I want to give you an answer here that probably will surprise you. If, if, if I were to take a survey of the audience and say, why do you think, generally speaking, not, not your individual answers, but generally speaking, what are we living for? Well, what is life all about? I'm going to give you an answer that probably nobody would give. And that answer is glory. The reason that we're living is for glory. But the question is, who gets the glory? The real question comes down, am I living for my glory? Do I want to be the most famous, the most recognizable, the most whatever? Do I want the attention on me? Is the glory about me? Or is the glory about God? You see, those are the only ultimate two options that we have. Either this life is about me and my satisfaction and my fulfillment, or it's about bringing glory to God. You know, the ultimate purpose of the universe is to bring glory to God. How do I know that? Well, because the Bible says it. Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God. You astronomers recognize this as a spiral galaxy. We are a part of the spiral, a spiral galaxy called the Milky Way. Of course, you can't take a picture of our galaxy because it's millions and millions and millions of miles across. And if you were, if this were a picture of our galaxy, and you were trying to find us on this, we would be about a third of the way out of the center, and you might possibly see our sun as a dot, but you couldn't even find Earth. Because in this galaxy, there are millions of stars. The amazing thing is, in the universe, there are millions and millions and millions and millions of galaxies. We can't even see them. Why are they there? You know why they're there? To bring glory to God. They're not for you. They're not for me. They're to bring glory to God. This is Yosemite Valley. I love Yosemite Valley. For me, it's the prettiest place in the United States. Seeing a starry night in Yosemite Valley and looking up and seeing the stars, you understand what, what Paul said in Romans chapter 1. He says, 
People are without excuse in not believing in God. Because the universe declares the glory of God. If you've got half of a brain and you're open-minded, you open your eyes and you say, man, this is incredible. This is so far beyond me. But you know, the universe and our life is a whole lot more than stars and planets and things. We also find in Isaiah chapter 43, God says, they are my own and I created them to bring me glory. Who's he talking about? People. Did you know that God created people to bring him glory? That's why he did it. That's our purpose. That's what it's all about. Paul said it in a different way. First Corinthians 10, he says, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. So the question comes down, okay, so my purpose in life is to bring glory to God. How do I do it? What do I do to bring glory to God. Well, God knew that we wouldn't know the answer to that. And so he sent us his son. And of course, as we've already heard in communion about the cross and about this time of year when we think about the manger and Jesus coming, we, we understand God gave us the way to glorify God through his son. Jesus says, I brought glory to you talking to his father. I brought glory to you here on earth by doing everything you told me to do. You think there's a clue there for us? You know, Jesus did not come with $90 billion. He didn't come with the greatest voice of all time. He didn't come, as far as we know, I don't know if he played any sports or not. I don't know if they had sports back then or not. He came in a humble birth as a poor person, born as a manger, so that he could be an example to us in every situation of how to bring glory to God. And that came through really submitting to and trying to do what God wants us to do. So, when we look at Jesus, what do we see? I think two things. We can say many things. But I think Jesus' life was he modeled sacrifice and he modeled surrender. But we just take communion and we remember Jesus in the garden. Say, God, if there's any way I can avoid going to the cross, let's please find a different way. But after the prayers, after his three prayers, always he ended up, nevertheless, not what I want, but what you want. Now, we all relate to that because most of us here are disciples. 
Most of us here went through the process of surrender to God. When Jesus said, in the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. We understand that. When we went through the studies, before we were baptized, we, we said, I surrender all to you. Paul goes on in verse in Romans chapter 12, and this is a little bit unusual for Paul to say this. He says, in the same way, those who do not you do not give up everything you have cannot be God for your servant. Therefore, I urge you to offer your bodies as living sacrifice. Holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. Now, who's Paul writing to here? He's writing to disciples, isn't he? He's writing to people who already gave up everything, right? They did that before they were baptized. So why does he write back to them and say, you know what? You need to be a living sacrifice and give up everything and offer your bodies as living sacrifice. Why, why would Paul say that to people that have already done that? Same reason that you and I need that same instruction. It's because it's not a once and for all done thing. I surrendered. I'd hate to count the number of times in my life that I surrendered and then got back up on the throne and had to get off again and say, Jesus, you're back up on it again. Because we go through cycles, don't we? Our, our life is not a once and done thing. It's a daily adventure of surrender to God and sacrifice to God. So, given that, what does it take? How do we surrender? How do we sacrifice to God? I'm going to give two simple, simplistic answers today. Number one, it takes purity. Now, what do we think of today when you think about purity? The only first thought comes in is sexual purity. Why? Because we live in a time we are inundated with sexual issues. We recently had in Phoenix Dave and Robin Widener to, to come and speak to us about the subject of, spirit, of sexual purity. And, uh, you know, they were the ideal ones to have because Dave has struggled with sexual purity and pornography for years and years and years. 40 years. But he finally overcame it and has been pure for 12 years. And see, we thought it was very valuable for them to come to talk about, first of all, how it affected them and affected their marriage, and then how he overcame. Now, why were we interested in doing that? We did because, you know what, we are inundated today with pornography. It is scary when you think about what is happening today through modern media. We're told today that the average man, 70% of average males watch pornography once a month. 
And used to, it was a man thing. You know, when I was growing up, before there were smartphones, yes, and before there were computers, there was no pornography in my house. Couldn't come in. If I wanted to see pornography, I had to be a dirty old man and go down to an adult bookstore. And I had enough pride, I wouldn't be caught dead in an adult bookstore. So it wasn't really a temptation for me. We're told today that the average six-year-old has seen pornography on their smartphone. Pornography is a big, big problem. There are some of you here today that are struggling with pornography. Yes, and it's a woman's issue now, too. It's not just a man's thing anymore. In fact, I read recently of two Christian-type psychologists who said they think that the biggest problem facing the church today is pornography. Why? Because it affects everything we do and are. It affects marriage. It affects your view towards sexuality. It affects your thoughts. It affects every aspect of your life. And it is causing major, major issues. We deal with it, and you deal with it here. The problem is, we haven't nearly brought it out in the open yet. And there are a lot of you, quite frankly, that are dealing with pornography, and nobody knows about it. And Satan has you trapped. Come on now. It's interesting, when the Widener's were there, I asked Dave, I said, okay, you were in this now for 23 years. In the last 17 years, you've been, you've been free from this. How did you get free? He said, I tried everything to break free. Finally, the only way I was able to break free was to get someone in my life every single day. I needed accountability in my life. Someone asking me every day what my temptations are. And my being open with them and, and confessing my temptations. So when I started doing that, I was able to break free. See, one of the things that, that drew glory to me to the discipling movement was discipling relationships. I think we've gotten way, way, way loose on this. There, there are many temptations that we all deal with. Pornography is not just one of them. I'm just focusing on that one right now because I'm talking about sexual purity. But the point is, there's not a single one of us that is so perfect in our life that we don't need people in our life. And so in Phoenix, we are really, the last two years, have focused on not only getting everybody in a functional discipling relationship, but taking it higher and saying, we want everybody in a daily relationship. That everybody has someone they're talking to every day that they really can be open with. But there's more to purity than this is sexual purity. One of the Beatitudes, Matthew chapter 5, Jesus says, Blessed are the pure in heart, 
for this he got. Now, sexual purity is a, is a part of that. We can't be pure in heart if we've got sexual impurity in our lives. But there are many forms of impurity that can fit into our lives. And, and it is so easy for us to feel like, well, I'm doing 90% good. It's just the 10% I haven't tackled yet. I was, uh, for those of you who know me well, you know that I am a sucker for sweets. Um, I was at a potluck the other day and was eating some pudding. And lo and behold, I felt something funny in my mouth, pulled it out, and it was a hair. And I said, okay, that's probably a one-off thing. I really like this pudding. <laughs> so I had a couple more bites, and lo and behold, another hair. <laughs> At that point, I said, I think I'll pass on the pudding. I mean, those hairs were really small. They didn't take up much room. That was impure pudding. <laughs> That's the way it looks to God. That's the way impurity looks to God. It's not okay to be 90% pure and to mess up with the other 10% of the area when you're not working on it. Now, we're all going to mess up. We're never going to be perfect in this life. But it's our attitude toward purity that's really, really important. So, the first part of this, this thing, how we glorify God, is purity. The second part, and the final part, is fulfilling my role. God has given every single one of us gifts. That he wants us to uniquely use in the kingdom to build up his kingdom. Talents, roles. All these type of things. And, and we're always searching for, how is God wanting to use me? And you even find as you go along, God may even multiply your talents as you go along. But the key is having an attitude, I'm trying to fulfill my role that God has given me. Now we'll talk about this three general areas here, and then the message is yours. First of all, I want to talk about your teens, campus, and singles. God has given you some unique roles. What has he given you that he hasn't given me? Energy. <laughs> I used to have a lot of energy. I'm 77 years old. I don't have quite the energy I used to have. Those of you who are young, God has given you, or wants you to have fire in your bones. He wants you to be the spark plug for the church. He wants you to be the fuel, the energy source, that is an example that inspires all the rest of us. You know, something characteristic of churches that die, the first thing to go is the young people. When the young people are gone, it's going to be long for you're a dead church. When Lori and I went to the Boston church, we went in our early 40s. We were the oldest people in the church. 
People now, we went back to Boston the other day. People shared with us their inner hearts the saying, boy, we thought you were old. <laughs> and now they're older than we were then. So they can empathize with us. But the point was, we were a young church. A church in the 20s and 30 years old who had vision, who had dreams, who wanted to change the world. And so we watched as they went to Johannesburg, as they went to Bombay, as they went to Tokyo. As they, went, they took the message around the world, and primarily it was young people. Now, we're, now am I saying you can't do it if you're old? I'm going to talk a little bit more to you older people in a minute. But, guys, if you're in this category of the teens and the campus and the young singles, you're not the church of tomorrow. You're the church of today. We need your energy. We need your zeal. We need your vision. We need your dreams to inspire all of us. And then, of course, most of us are married and involved in parenting in some way. We don't have quite have the freedom of schedule. And after you stayed up to a 2 o'clock in the morning feeding, you don't have quite the energy that you have. But God's got a role for you that he wants for you. Well, the main thing he wants for you is to parent your kids in a godly way so that they want to follow God and bring glory to God. But the marriage are such the heartbeat in the sense of the church. We may, may, not, may not be the spark plug, may not be the energy, but we're so much the heart of the church. And that's where most of us are today. But there's another category. We call them in Phoenix prime timers. If you were in Phoenix and over 55 years old, you're a prime timer. And why do we call you a prime timer? Because probably you're through raising your kids. Now, you may start raising grandkids, and that's a fun time too. But suddenly, you've got more disposable time and money. Now, I know that a lot of singles are coming back home. That's a different issue, and you want to talk about that now. <laughs> but I really believe that if we give vision to all of you as you approach your 50s, as you approach retirement, you're approaching a time that you have time and you have money that God can use in a very, very powerful way. And that's the vision we've got in Phoenix. We're really working with the primetime group. I'm trying to even anticipate and get them to think ahead. You know, it's going to be long. How long till you retire? How long till your kids are, are off to college or whatever? And so you can plan ahead of how you're going to use your disposable time before you get involved in all your favorite TV shows. <laughs> but rather start using your time and your energy for God in that way. So, the question really comes back. Do we really know what we're living for? I think the answer is yes. I think every one of us will say, yes, I know I need to bring glory to God. But really the question comes, how do we do it in all
all that we do. And I really want to leave you with this one question. If I could do one thing that I could put on your hearts in today's lesson, it would be to put this question on your heart. That every day and every activity, you can ask yourself the question. Whether it's an action, or some attitude, or it's a prayer, or whatever, will this bring glory to God? Because that is why He created us. It's great to be with you. to the West Side Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit thewestsidechurch.com or laicc.net.